I'll be in Romans chapter 7 this morning. Romans chapter 7 starting in verse 13. Romans chapter 7 starting in verse 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin. That it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Let's pray. Father and our God, we come to you humbly this morning to say thank you for another day. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be gathered in your house. I thank you, Father, for those that have led worship this morning. I, I pray that you would bless them in a, in a special, special way. I just pray for your continued guidance throughout our services this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would allow us to see and feel your presence in all that we say and do. Father, I just thank you, and I love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. After reading that, that we just read in Romans chapter 7 through 13, if I had the opportunity to stand here with Paul after he's written this, <coughs> my first thought is to look at Paul in the eyes, put my hand on his shoulder and go, I feel your pain. I know how you feel. I, I understand where you're coming from. I hear you, brother. I feel your pain. What I want to do, what I know to do, what is right, and I know what is right, those things for some reason I don't do. But the things I hate and the things I know I shouldn't do, for some reason I find myself doing those things. And Paul is kind of caught in this trap. And he's come to a place where he's trying to get this explained and, and get this out there and let people know and understand, you're not the only one. I feel your pain. Because I believe that's what Paul is doing here. He's dealing with other people and writing to these people and going with his hand on their shoulder, patting them on the back maybe, I feel your pain. Even I, Paul, 
have a desire to do what I know is right, but for some reason I don't do that. Yet I know what not to do, I know what is bad, I know what is not good, and I seem to do those things over and over. I feel your pain, Paul. I feel your pain. <clears throat> Verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. I can't explain it. Paul says, I, can't, I don't understand it. It shouldn't be this way. It's not meant to be this way. Yet over and over, this is what I keep getting. I don't understand. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever woke up one day or, or, or in the middle of the day, something happens, you say something, you react in a certain way, you respond in a way, and you get off to yourself and go, I don't understand why I keep doing that. That ain't what I desire to do. That ain't how I want to handle it. I don't understand. It just keeps happening. I don't understand over and over again. When I see these situations coming, I know in my mind, I know in my heart, what is the right thing for me to do? But I don't respond right. It's like something else has got control of me and I can't do, no matter how hard I try, I can't do it the right way. And I try and I try and it's over and it's over. Verses 16 through 18, If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I feel your pain, Paul. Me, in and of myself, in my flesh, nothing good lives there. In other words, when I step out of my spiritual mindset and I react out of emotion and I react in the flesh, nothing good ever comes from that. In other words, the Bible says if we're not living or walking in the Spirit, then it's impossible to please God. So there's nothing in my flesh that is pleasing to God. There's nothing good coming out of me when I react in the flesh. There's, there's nothing good in me in my flesh. The only thing good about me is that my Savior Jesus Christ has saved my soul. And it's His power and His strength that is good in me. It is the re residence of His Spirit inside of me that is good in me. Aside from that, there's nothing good in me. Even Paul said this. You realize who we're talking about, right? This is the man responsible for penning the majority of the New Testament. And even he says that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. There's nothing good inside of me in my flesh. So when I respond out of the flesh, when I, when I react out of the flesh, it's not going to be good, ever. And listen, I know this, Paul knows this. Yet he says, what I will to do, that I don't do. But those things that I hate, that I practice. And he says, I don't understand. I feel you, Paul. I feel your pain, brother. Me too. Because I know what is the right thing to do. I know what is the right way to live. I know that a reaction from the flesh is not good. Yet over and over it just seems to happen. Why do I practice the things that I hate? And not do the things that I desire to do. The things that I know that God desires for me to do. I feel your pain, Paul. I understand. 
Verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Again, in the same statement. I want to do good. I want to do good. I want to do what's right. I want to be godly. I want to live righteously. I want to, I want to live up to that, to that label of holy and set apart and royal priesthood. And all those things that the Word of God describes me as, I want to. But over and over I find myself failing at it. Over and over I find myself doing the things that I don't desire to do. I feel your pain, Paul. I feel your pain. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. What? I find then a law. Listen to this. I find then a law, I find then a rule that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. I find then that evil is present in me. Paul, the guy that wrote the majority of the New Testament, really, he's got evil? Really? I thought it was just me trying to hide that. Because, you know, from time to time you see these crazy things that come on TV. The, these, the, and I ain't talking about a show somebody wrote. I'm talking about watching the news. I'm talking about four more people got killed this morning in Antioch. Went into a Waffle House and just started shooting folks. And you look at that and you go, I hope they get what they deserve. That's that evil rising up in me. Because I can assure you, if you ask me, I don't want no part of what I deserve. Because what I deserve is the wrath of God. That's what I deserve. Because I was born out of sin. The whole creation's cursed and I'm part of the creation. The curse accounts for me too. So what I deserve is the wrath of God. But sitting over here saying I don't want what I deserve and I want to see somebody else get what they deserve, that's evil. <laughs> That evil dwells inside of me. It was born into me. Y'all have heard this story a million gazillion times. The good dog, the white dog and the black dog at war. Which one wins? The strongest one. How do you make him strong? The one you feed the most. Listen to me, the black dog eats everything. He's not a picky eater. You can turn on the Andy Griffith show, the most wholesome show that I know of, and if you sit there through commercials, the black dog got fed. <laughs> That's the truth. You can, you can listen to the radio, and the black dog gets fed. You can walk into a place, into Walmart, with blinders on, <laughs> and still feed the black dog. He eats everything. He's strong. And listen, he's a natural resident there. Right? He's a natural, he, he was born there. That fleshly side of me is what I was born as. It's my default setting. Paul said, nothing good comes of my flesh. And then he goes on to say that evil is present. I find a rule, I find a law that evil is present in me. Even Paul deals with this. Even Paul has got the problem I've got. 
that evil dwells in me. Verse 22, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Slow down and go with that me one more time, just, just a little bit slower. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. You know that war would... <laughs> Listen to me. Everything you and I encounter in this life is a spiritual battle. It has spiritual ties. And until we begin to recognize that, you can't win the battles because you don't know you're in it. And on the other hand, you're trying to fight it with carnal tools. You can't win a spiritual battle with carnal tools. You've got to fight it with spiritual tools. First, you've got to recognize you're in a battle, <laughs> that you're in a war, warring against the law of my mind. Remember, we've been talking about capturing our thoughts. We've been talking about stopping it at a thought. We've been talking about controlling our mind. Because, see, Satan doesn't have necessarily access directly to your heart as a child of God, but what he does have access to is your mind. And if you don't take control of it, you're not going to win this war. And I promise you, if you're a child of God, if, if you profess Christ as your Savior, you're in a battle. The scariest things is for those who think they're not because they're not going to win that battle. Everything we face in this world has spiritual ties. That's, that's what Paul's talking about here. Do you think Paul was necessarily an evil man? No, not at all. No. Do you think everything Paul did was wrong? No. Well, if you just read this and didn't know anything else about Paul, you'd walk away going, well, how did he get permission to write anything? That's a bad dude. But what he's telling you is it's a spiritual war raging on inside of him. And, and he's figured it out, and he's, and he's letting everybody know that in this flesh nothing good exists. But I'm not supposed to be walking in the flesh. I'm not supposed to be reacting in the flesh. See, there's a war going on where my flesh wants to reach out, lash out, and react. And my spirit is going, Focus, calm down. Slow down a little bit. I told y'all a story one time a long time ago. Um, we were bow hunting on Sean's farm, me and Amanda were, and we were the only ones there that morning, we thought. And, and we were sitting in the tree, and it was a perfect morning. Of course, every morning that something happens bad and ruins everything, it was a perfect morning, right? Or every time you ever harvest something, it, was a, it can be thunderstorms and lightning flashing. If you come home with a deer, it was a perfect morning. <laughs> it was a perfect morning. We were in our tree stands, and everything was going our way, and all of a sudden I started hearing dogs barking. Well, there's no dogs around where we hunt. And, and they... And, getting louder and louder, and this sounds like a pack of dogs, and I'm going, what is going on? Well, I look up, and here comes a, a pack of beagles under my deer stand. <clears throat> and I just, man, I was bawled my feet. I was so mad. You've got to be kidding me. So Amanda sends me a message. She's seen dogs come running by her, and I thought, what? somebody's got rabbit dogs turned to loose. 
So I get down out of my stand. I'm fuming mad. I mean, I'm going to find who this is. Well, I get to my truck, which is parked just inside of his gate. The neighbor's property is right there. And I look over there, and there's rabbit dogs and rabbit hunters everywhere. And I went, are you kidding me? The perfect, I was going to kill the biggest deer of my life today. I just know I was, and y'all have all ruined it. So I called Sean, and I go, because you're not going to believe this. We're down here trying to hunt, and somebody's running rabbit dogs all over your place. And I got off the phone with him. He said, I'm on my way, and I thought, well, when he gets here, they're going to get it. <laughs> I can't wait for Sean to get here, because me and him, we're going to tear them up. <laughs> I can't wait. And I mean, I'm fuming and pacing, and these people are getting walking up through there and coming close, and I'm going, y'all don't get up here too early. It's going to be ugly. Don't, don't come on. And Sean pulls up and he gets out of the truck and I think me and him's fixing to link arms and go across this field and find this guy. And he comes to me instead. And I go, okay, where do we start? And he said, well, just calm down. What are you going to do about it? And I said, we're going to whoop them. That's what we're going to do about it. He said, look, it's a bunch of kids. I said, good, they'll be easy to whoop. <laughs> and he said, no, just calm down a minute. He said, think about it, man, they're just rabbit hunting. They just brought a bunch of kids over here rabbit hunting and their dogs got loose. You can't control that. And I went, Sean, you're supposed to be on my side. We're supposed to be whooping people by now. And the end result was one of the gentlemen came over there and we talked to him and, and Sean told him it was no big deal and, and I had smoke coming out my ears. And we got in the truck and we left. And we went back to his dad's house and we kind of talked things over and I went, you know what, you're right. You're exactly right. And, and you was exactly what I, you ain't, didn't come in the way I thought you would, but you was exactly what I needed in that time to not lose my cool and to not react out of the flesh, but to do what's right. Because a lot of times doing what's right doesn't come natural to us. And that spirit whispers in our ear and we hear him. And we hear what he says and we, we know he's right. But we just don't agree at the moment. And our emotions are high. And I'm telling you, I was going to kill the biggest deer y'all have ever seen that day. But I didn't get to because somebody's dumb dogs come running under my deer stand. I swore we'd never see another deer down there. What did I say? I said, Sean, it'll be two weeks before we see another deer on this property. He said, you're out of your mind. You can hunt this evening and kill deer. He was right. <laughs> Again, over and over. Sometimes we just got to stop because what's in our flesh is nothing good. The things I wanted to say and the things I wanted to do would not have been good. You know that's never happened again. That's been probably three or four years ago. That's never happened again because it was handled correctly and, and out of respect. And out of respect, they said, we won't do that no more. Paul had that same problem. <laughs> I feel your pain, Paul. I feel your pain. Sometimes we just got to slow down. Sometimes we need that outside voice. Hopefully, prayerfully, we get to a point where we just listen to the Spirit every time. <laughs> but sometimes it takes an outside voice, somebody else with a right mindset to go, hang on, let's calm down a little bit and think this through. And let's make sure that we do the right thing. Keep going with me because believe it or not, Paul does... Answer his own questions. In verse 24, O wretched man that I am. Paul, a wretched man? 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? He looks at the overall scenario and goes, this ain't, this ain't good. There's evil in me. The harder I try to do what's right, the more I do what's wrong. The things I hate to do, that's what I do. I'm a loser. Oh, wretched man, look at me. Look at me. Who, who will deliver me? from this body of death. He looks at the physical body and goes, it's just death. It's just yucky, nasty, ugly, stanky death in this flesh. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I know What's right? I have a desire to do what's godly. But getting this flesh under control ain't the easiest thing in the world. Let's keep going into Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I really believe with all I've got in me that Paul wrote all that other before this to let people know and understand where he stood and he's just like them. I desire to do what's right and I can't. This flesh won't act right. I can't get the man I shave with every morning to do what he's supposed to do. And then he goes on to say, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Paul's answer to how to overcome this is that we should walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. That we should be spiritual minded. Keep reading with me. <coughs> Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's my choice. I don't have to do wrong. I don't have to listen to this flesh. I can say no to self and yes to the Spirit. But I got to decide to do that. I got to make the choice to do that. I've got to be the one that steps up and says, no, self, you can't react that way. Verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. You know why you couldn't keep the Ten Commandments? Because <laughs> you're fleshly. See, you keeping the law depends on your strength and your ability to do so. Guess what? You can't. If you've broken one, you may as well break them all. Is that what he tells us? See, those commandments were put there to show us our need for God. Listen, while they were being carved out on the tablets... At the bottom, at the top of the mountain, Moses is, God's giving them to him and he's carving them out on the stone tablets. You know what's going on at the bottom of the mountain? 
They're breaking them. So was God surprised by the fact that we couldn't keep the Ten Commandments? No, they were put there to show us that we couldn't keep them. We can't follow law. They were put there to show us our need for something bigger than the law because the law is based upon what we're capable of doing. And what we're capable of doing ain't good. Ain't good at all. We lose. Listen, we only had one rule when we started. Y'all realize that, right? Don't eat of that tree. <laughs> one rule. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Then we had ten. We couldn't keep them either. You know what we did to correct the ten? We couldn't. We made more. <laughs> See, what we do when we, can't, when we find a rule we can't keep, you know what we do? We put emphasis on another rule, one we think we can't keep. That's what we do. So if I'm the one that doesn't have a problem with not killing people, I want all the emphasis to be on do not murder because I don't have that issue, <laughs> right? So I want that to be the worst one there is. If I'm the one that, that has a problem with committing adultery, I don't want there to be a law about adultery. I want to hear nothing about that. You know why? Because I can't keep it. I want the emphasis to be on things that I can do. If you've broken one, broke them all. It's God's law as a whole. The whole thing's been broken if I've broken one. And our flesh has shown over and over again we're not capable of keeping that law. Go to uh, verse 4. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. How am I going to win this battle? How am I going to make it where I make the right decision and I do the right thing and I do the godly thing? How am I going to do what I will to do is I got to get my spirit stronger than my flesh. I got to exercise my spirit so that my spirit is stronger than my flesh. So that when a decision is to be made, my spirit jumps up and not my flesh. I got to feed the spirit, right? I got to feed the, feed the spirit over and over continually. Because again, the flesh will eat anything. He gets fed no matter what. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. Don't miss that. On the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Nor indeed can be. The carnal mind is enemy of God. The carnal mind is the enemy of God. Can't be subject to the law because it don't care. The carnal mind don't care about God's law. Right? Have I lost you yet? Wake up. Talk to me. I know y'all heard said that the lot more amens I get, the longer I go, but that's not true. Because the carnal mind is enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh 
cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. goes back to what Paul said earlier about nothing good being in this flesh. Nothing good. The only things that are good are spiritual. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you are a child of God, if you are saved by grace, through faith, then inside of you lives the Spirit of God. If you have not been saved, if you have, are not a child of God, if you've never established that relationship with the Creator through the Son, then that Spirit does not dwell inside of you. And the only way you can react and respond is through the flesh. Right? But if you are a child of God, and through that relationship with Jesus Christ, that Spirit dwells inside of you. And that Spirit is a precious, precious thing. It should be the most valuable thing that we possess. And if we understood the magnitude, if you could just see the difference in the righteousness of God and the ugliness of sin, you would understand the importance of that Spirit residing inside of us. And it would be your most prized possession and it would be the one we call on no matter what's going on. Because when you react out of the flesh, nothing good comes of it, ever. But when you react spiritually minded, it's no telling what God can do with any situation, with anything that's going on. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. How, how, do we, how do we defeat Paul's dilemma that he talked about here in, in chapter 7? Of I want to do what's right, but it doesn't seem to happen. How, 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 do we, how do we get to a place where I know what's right and I do what's right? How do I get there? I get there by following the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, setting my mind on spiritual things, making sure that my spirit gets fed more than my flesh does. It's got to be that way. It's the only way you win this battle, this war that is waging inside of you. It's the only way. Verse 11. And in closing... But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, the promise of life is where our hope's at. Is that God is who he says he is and he's capable of doing what he says he'll do. The way I do what's right when my flesh wants to react out of negativity and out of emotion and in a fleshly manner, the, the more I feed my spirit, the more I depend on my spirit, the more I depend on the spirit, him, God's spirit, 
then the less chance I have of reacting out of the flesh where nothing good lives, where nothing good dwells. Amen? Y'all stand.